The truth about narcissism and codependency is that they are not personality disorders. They are adaptive relationship strategies. Now that I've hit you with that truth right out the gate, let me explain further. Now some people are aware of the fact that they grew up in a dysfunctional home. However, many people aren't. In fact, they don't know they grew up in a dysfunctional family dynamic or they're in complete denial about it. And this is of course enhanced by the fact that we have the tendency to normalize whatever environment we grew up in. To understand more about this, I encourage you to watch my video titled How Normalization is Hurting You and Hurting Society. When I say dysfunctional, what does this mean? Dysfunctional means the following. The way the family system operates, and especially the way that the needs of each family member is met, is destructive to the individual members of the family. It diminishes instead of enhances the well-being of each member of the system. The way the relationships operate within the family system causes disturbances regarding the emotional, mental, and physical well-being of the individual members of said family. Therefore, we cannot say that the family system works well. The hidden reality in a dysfunctional family system is the following. I'm going to spell it out for you clearly. Each member of the family is really out for themselves. Each person is pursuing their own interest, and nobody is reliably interested in anyone else's well-being but their own. Now, when I say it's a hidden reality, I mean it's a really hidden reality. Many of these dysfunctional relationship dynamics are so gaslighting, they're made to look on the surface like the exact opposite of this. So instead of those dynamics looking like everyone's out for themselves, those dynamics look like, I've sacrificed everything in my life for you. For example, Let's say that in a family system dynamic, you have a parent who has dedicated their entire existence to their child succeeding at a specific sport. That child may grow up to be an adult who has all kinds of disturbances on a mental, emotional, and even physical level. But their narrative may be something like, my gosh, I'm just so lucky that my parents sacrificed literally everything to let me succeed and for me to chase my dreams. In reality, this parent may have in fact been motivated to drive the success of their child for their own personal needs and desires the entire time, no matter the adverse effect on their child. Needs and desires like fueling their own positive self-concept, the desire to create invisible strings of indebtedness so that their child will support them in turn, or success by proxy. When this is the case, even if the child doesn't realize what is happening on a conscious level, on a subconscious level, they know that something just isn't right. But of course, they tend to internalize this whole dynamic and instead tell themselves the story, there's something seriously wrong with me. So basically, no matter what the narrative is that they're telling themselves, they will suffer and they will experience all of the detrimental and destructive effects of that dysfunctional family system dynamic. So the first thing that's important to understand is that in a dysfunctional system dynamic, the family is very rarely, if ever, going to admit to the fact that they're dysfunctional. In fact, the narrative is going to be exactly the opposite. This means pretty much everybody in that family is going to completely deny the fact that everyone's out for themselves. If everyone in a family system is out for themselves, then that system or the relationships that are taking place within it are not reliably safe. The definition of an unsafe relationship is a relationship with somebody who cannot take you as a part of themselves and therefore cannot experience your best interest as being a part of their own. 
This is a state of disconnection and perceived separateness where they cannot see you, feel you, hear you, or understand you to even know what your best interests really are. It's essentially a lack of attunement and a lack of love. A person in a dysfunctional family system can oppose your well-being for the sake of their own. In a dysfunctional family system, the members start to play zero-sum games with each other. It's a recipe for pain, conflict, and even abuse. When we are part of a family system like this, in order to ensure our own well-being, we essentially have the choice to do one thing, and that's to jump on the bandwagon of vying for our own personal interests and finding any adaptive strategy we can use in order to stay most safe and in order to best meet our needs within that family system. There are so many strategies that a child can use and can employ to try to accomplish this. I'm going to give you just some examples of so many. They can become oppositionally defiant. They can become hyperachievers. They can become cunning manipulators. They can make themselves invisible. They can become people pleasers. They can become cheerleaders, maybe caretakers, helpers, or enablers. They can become peacemakers or mediators. They can become the one in the family that lightens the mood. They can become hyper-responsible. They can become the household managers. They can become the martyrs. Or they can become the scapegoat or golden child. What's important to understand is that before a child selects and employs these specific strategies, they're faced with a powerful choice. One, to go through the front door relative to their own interests and oppose or fight against the other members of that family system for their own best interests and for their own needs and for their own desires. Or two, they can go through the back door. When a child decides to employ the strategy of going in the back door, they become hyper-attuned to the interests and needs of the other people in that family system, and they start to manipulatively set up a dynamic where they conform to those interests so as to get their own needs reliably met. Now it is this choice point that we see the development of codependency and narcissism in our lives. People who develop their relationship adaptation style of narcissism decide at a subconscious level that because no one is really concerned for their welfare, benefit, and best interests, the world is a hostile place, they must survive by detaching from others, cutting themselves off from connection and affinity, and being concerned only for their own welfare, benefit, and interests, regardless of the impact on others. For example, a child who develops this style of relating to their parents and to their family system they may find it impossible to admit to their dependence on their parents. They may enter into consistent conflict with them. They may refuse to reciprocate. They may struggle with feeling empathy towards other members of that family system. They may monopolize conversations and become completely obsessed with their own personal successes and achievements. In adulthood, they may not really see, hear, or feel other people and therefore will not consider them. They may exploit other people in order to meet their own needs and at the expense of others without perceiving the pain they're causing. They may be hyper-focused on their own grandiose accomplishments to cover up for their own low self-esteem. And they may dupe people by entering into a relationship with a person by showing the person excess attention, adoration, and affection so as to influence the person to become committed, dependent, and obligated to them, thus gaining power over that person at the same time as experiencing the self-esteem-inducing personal success of getting them. People who develop this relational adaptation style of codependency 
have understood that because everybody else is only interested in their own welfare and their own best interests, the best way for them to actually go about surviving and thriving in their environment is to in fact get rid of or give away or not even find in the first place aspects of their identity to give themselves a way to conform to the expectation of others, to get the approval of others, to fill in with those interests of others, and by doing so to create this emotional contract that often takes place at a subconscious level, whereby meeting the other people's needs, their own needs somehow get met. You will hear pretty much everywhere that codependents place a lower priority on their own needs while being excessively preoccupied with the needs of others. This is not true. It only looks like that on the outside. The reality is that the preoccupation with the needs of others is their method for getting their own needs met. For example, a child who develops this relational style of codependency may never make their own decisions. They may never actually try to find their identity or give up their own identity for the sake of conformity to the parents. This includes adopting their parents' values. These children may go about their life constantly trying to please the other people within this family system, especially whoever they perceive to be the most dangerous within that family system. They will never assert themselves into conversation. They may go about trying to fix everybody else's problems within that family system dynamic. Why? Because they're trying to secure their own sense of security and stability. In their adulthood, they may not be able to identify the difference between their own boundaries and other people's boundaries. They may be passive-aggressive and fail to communicate. They might sacrifice all of their other needs and desires for the sake of getting the approval of others. They might become obsessed with securing a sense of their own moral goodness. And they might dupe people by entering into a relationship with another person and mirroring them, leading the other person to perceive a sameness or compatibility exists, which doesn't actually exist. Any member of a dysfunctional social system dynamic, including a family, has a deep well of fear and a deep well of grief relative to relationships in general, as well as a deep struggle with their own self-concept. Because in a dysfunctional system dynamic, there's no real experience of love, only the facade of love. Anybody who grows up in this dysfunctional dynamic fundamentally believes that at the core they are unlovable. Why this is important to understand is because what unites the codependent and the narcissist is a core self-concept of shame. This shame that is at the base experience of their life causes them to go on a lifelong quest to try to feel good about themselves. Both have learned that in an unloving world, they cannot get love and they cannot get their needs met freely from others. Therefore, they have to oppose people and or manipulate people to get what they want and need. Narcissism and codependency definitely exist on a scale of severity. You'll definitely see that dynamic within people. They're no different than any dysfunctional adaptation. Narcissism and codependency are both complex dysfunctional relationship strategies that people learned and adopted in order to be able to stay safe in their specific family system. And this way of being in their family system becomes their default way of being in relationships with other people in general. To understand more about this concept of behavioral dysfunction being nothing more than an adaptation, I would encourage you to watch my video titled, The Root of Mental Illness is Unsafety.
a huge tell that narcissism and codependency are in fact adaptive relationship strategies, doesn't matter whether they're dysfunctional or not, is this. Codependency and narcissism arise within the context of relationship. Not all of life. They arise within the context of relationship because they are the result of relational trauma. Another huge tell is that a person might vacillate between these styles of relating within their relationships. For example, a person might act more like the narcissist in one relationship and then in another relationship more like the codependent. Or within the same relationship, you can have a person who behaves more like the codependent in that relationship until they understand that, wait a minute, this strategy I'm employing isn't working at all. So they swing the pendulum all the way over to being more narcissistic in that very same relationship dynamic. Narcissism and codependency are both narcissistic relationship strategies. One is more covert and one is more overt. You can say that each contains the seed of the other. Inside every narcissist is a covert codependent, and inside every codependent is a covert narcissist. Both of them grow up watching these different and opposite strategies of relating in an unsafe social environment, which they believe all social environments are. What's really interesting is that the codependent and the narcissist seem to be much more aware of the drawback of employing the strategy of the other. When we grow up in an every-man-for-himself social system, we employ all kinds of strategies for how to stay safe in that social system and for how to best get our needs met in that social system. When we look at a narcissist, all we are looking at is a collection of strategies for doing so. And when we are looking at a codependent, all we are looking at is a collection of strategies for doing so. And whether we choose to employ one set of strategies versus another is down to so many specific details, elements, nuances, and circumstances in whatever relationship, family, or social system that we find ourselves in. In a world where dysfunctional relationship is unfortunately the norm, the very work of our lives is to extricate ourselves from these dysfunctional relationship patterns, and instead to create patterns within our relationships and within our social systems that enhance and secure the well-being of every individual that happens to be a part of them. Have a good week.